If you feel like it's getting harder and harder to find a parking space in Portland, you're not crazy. Oregon recently adopted some new rules, and they're changing the number of parking spaces that new developments have to plan for. In fact, the city could get rid of all requirements that new buildings provide parking later this year, but there are still new buildings popping up all over the city. What tools does the city have to make sure that curb space is being equitably distributed? Today on CityCast Portland, we're talking with Katie Gould of the Sightline Institute. She's a senior researcher there who focuses on transportation. It's Monday, March 13th. I'm John Natariani in for Claudia Meza, and this is what Portland's talking about. So am I crazy? Is it actually getting harder to park a car in Portland? <laughs> Um, I think that all depends on the neighborhood where you live. There are some places in Portland where it's it's been hard to find parking for a long time. Um, so if you live in Division Street or like Hollywood, where I am, um, there's no option to get parking permits. Um, there's also not parking meters, right, to help manage the cars parking on the street. So it's all relative. <laughs> yeah. And there are some major changes that are happening, that are underway, right? Like the state just made some big policy changes last year that could really impact us, right? Well, yes. Oregon um, adopted a really landmark parking policy last year. The state land use agency adopted a a pretty broad set of rules called the Climate Friendly and Equitable Communities Package. And lifting costly parking mandates was one of the, the biggest policies that we think will have an impact in Oregon. So just to back up for a second, a parking minimum or a parking mandate it's, it's a rule that almost all cities adopted um, kind of in the, the span of like the 1940s, right, through the 70s um, that require that every single new building and buildings that get remodeled even have a certain number of parking spots that's predetermined by the city how many they need based on um, the building size or the number of bowling lanes or the number of chairs, And these rules have been really problematic. They add a lot of expense to new housing and new building, and they prevent a lot of new buildings from getting built in the first place because those building permits are conditional on the number of parking spots being there. So now that these mandates are changing, though, and if I understand there was laws passed at a state level last year, now they're trying to figure out at a city level, like, exactly how they're going to be implemented. Is that correct? Yeah. So... By June 30th, every city that's affected by these new rules will have to make a clear decision. There's three different compliance paths for the parking part of the policy. And kind of the easiest path is to just get rid of all of your parking mandates citywide. Mm -hmm. There's no other management or programs that cities need to do. Um, So we expect a lot of cities are going to choose that option, Portland likely included. A lot of people think Portland has no parking minimums already. Um, And there are a lot of exemptions near transit areas, places where multifamily housing gets built, but they are definitely still on the books. But what what is that going to mean? Like, let's say Portland gets rid of all of the mandates. There is no longer anything on the books. I mean, I imagine that people aren't going to show up with sledgehammers and start destroying parking spaces, right? I mean, like, how is this actually going to change the way that the city looks. No, uh, definitely not. With any zoning policy, change happens very incrementally as um, parcels of land get sold over time or as buildings get redeveloped. These things happen one by one over decades. 
In cities that have already gotten rid of their parking mandate citywide, take Buffalo, New York, um, 85% of the new buildings still build parking, yeah. right? But now it's kind of up to them how exactly many spaces they think they need to serve their businesses or their future tenants. Yeah. I mean, and it's interesting when you talk about parking spaces, people have a lot of feelings about it in Portland, Oregon. It's something you come across in your daily life and it's the source of a lot of frustration for people. Yeah. I mean, and frustration of people who listen to our show and talk to us on Twitter too. You know, we've definitely heard people chiming in with their opinions about parking mandates. I mean, depending on who you talk to, a parking space is an important part of daily life in a city or it is like the worst thing that could happen to a public space. And and I'm wondering what's sort of the point counterpoint argument for why parking is really necessary versus why we need to get rid of parking. Well, first, one of the misconceptions that I encounter a lot is uh, if people have never heard of a parking requirement before, you kind of equate it with the current parking supply in your city and especially on-street parking management. And this kind of idea of if we build enough off-street parking spaces that we won't have any issues with the curb being too full and therefore you'll always find a parking spot. Got it. But it's never worked like that. Okay. Um, one of so, the, so, so you're saying that that condo building on the corner that doesn't have a parking lot, it's not their fault that there's no parking on the street. It's something else. <laughs> That's right. Um, and I think often when we talk about changes in parking mandates, people think about the existing street parking and saying, well, the existing street parking is too full and it's a headache. And I think often when when cities do inventories and occupancy studies to see how many parking spaces do we have and how full do they get, um, it's pretty common for off-street parking lots to be significantly less full than the on-street spaces. So the best mm. example I have of this comes out of a study from Vancouver, British Columbia, um, in the West End, pretty dense neighborhood. Um, the on-street parking was almost 90% full at the busiest time, so it's really hard to find a parking spot. At the same time, the off-street parking garages were like half empty. Mm. <laughs> and there's reasons why this dynamic happens. People want to not pay money, right? If the, yeah, because yeah, we're all cheap because we all yeah, think we can find that free parking space on the Yes, if the, the parking on the, on the street is free and but then it costs money to park in a garage, a lot of people just try to find a free space on the mm-hmm. street. And what Vancouver did to clear up this situation is they already had on-street parking permits in that neighborhood, but they were giving out like 6,000 permits for 3,000 spots. Mm-hmm. So they increased the rates to make it more competitive with the garage spaces that you could get per month. Yeah, so um, let me back you up mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, sure. So, okay, I understand if you're downtown and you have the option of paying the like $20 a day for the downtown lot or like finding a parking space on the street, of course, people are going to try and find the cheaper option. But what about situations with buildings that do or don't have parking garages attached, right? Because I think a lot of the grumbling among people is when these buildings are made, you know, neighborhoods get more dense and there isn't parking attached. But is it true that even when those buildings have parking garages attached to them that they're not also full? It's more than just the cost that is prohibitive for filling up these garages, correct? 
Sure. It's also kind of a convenience factor, right? So mm. I live on the same block as a Trader Joe's in the Hollywood neighborhood. And it's not terribly uncommon for there to be spaces available in that parking lot that I can see mm -hmm. when I drive or walk past them. Yet the street parking is completely full, right? And for yeah. me, someone who just lives in the neighborhood, technically I cannot park in the Trader Joe's parking lot if I'm not like going to their business. But yeah. anyone going to the Trader Joe's business can park on my street, right? So like <laughs> off-street parking lots, they're kind of inefficient in this way. So on-street parking kind of fills that role where anyone can use it to venture anywhere. Um, mm -hmm. The other thing that Vancouver did um, is they started putting in parking meters to those mm -hmm. blocks, right? Mm -hmm. To kind of encourage people to not park there all day long, that, you know, some of these spaces really need to be for people who are trying to get to a business or drop someone off or all the things that you might need to do in a neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So more housing density is a good thing in general. Um, people get frustrated when they can't park in their neighborhood. And I think that as Portland continues to build more and more dense housing, like inevitably there's going to be less parking spaces on the street. And I think that a lot of us are already feeling that. So you mentioned parking meters, like what options does a city like Portland have to try and address the challenges that we have with parking while also, you know, not angering everybody? <laughs> <laughs> um, so one of the great uh, tools that Portland has um, that is still kind of yet to implement is performance pricing. And this is kind of a methodology where the city can adjust parking meter rates to kind of get closer to that 80-85% occupancy. So when the parking is too full, you can adjust your rates a little bit higher to encourage people to move their cars more often or maybe just park in a different neighborhood or, or rethink their trip. But also if the blocks are mostly empty, it means you're kind of charging too much for parking. The city is not really providing the service that you're paying for, which is like help to find a parking spot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think people should demand parking management from their cities. Right. Yeah. This isn't an impossible problem, but curbside parking, it's a resource, right? It's a public resource. And if there's more cars than there are parking spots, it's going to have to be kind of managed and allocated. There's kind of no way that it can just stay the same situation of, of free all the time for everyone and for it to be easier to find a parking spot. And it's really unfortunate that we've associated over time more housing coming to our neighborhoods and a, a scarcity of on-street parking because it doesn't have to be that way. Well, let's take a quick break. When we come back, I'm curious what all of this means for people who don't have a car. I wonder about the intersection between parking and parking spaces and parking mandates, which are now going away, and transportation because there are some places in Portland that have really good public transit, of course, but then, you know, I live up in St. John's and there are buses that run, but it is not a quick ride to make it from my neighborhood downtown. Um, I think that a lot of people who live in places like me feel really car dependent. And I'm wondering if that is like a part of the bigger strategy of how we balance parking and parking spaces with mass transit. Over the very long term, yes, 
But this is also, I think, one of the big misconceptions that I'm trying to break about parking mandates. If you don't have parking mandates, it means that people have to stop driving. You have to start taking the bus because you'll never find a parking spot again. And that's just not that's not the reality. <laughs> the ratios that cities have set for how much parking is required for every particular building are too high. Mm-hmm. They're higher than average. And it's not just about people who own cars or don't own cars. Right. When we talk about restaurants or retail stores or office buildings, all of these types of buildings have parking minimums. So the real cost is the extra parking that's not getting used that's being required. And especially the cost is the projects that never get built in the first place because the parking was too expensive Mm -hmm. or it took up too much of the property that nobody wants to develop it. I hear constantly from developers that if they want to figure out what they can do on any given lot, they figure out what the lot can park and then they figure out what they can build. And that's Mm -hmm. what happens when we make all new housing conditional on a certain number of parking spaces where they're shaving off units from a project to make the parking work instead of the other way around. So what are, like, what, what are the costs there? Like, let's say I want to build a, an apartment building and I'm thinking about building a parking deck underneath it. Like how much cost oh, does that add? a parking deck underneath? Under, <laughs> that's, that's probably underground Your eyes just spaces. got very wide. You're like, no. <laughs> that's like the worst possible. That's the most expensive situation. This, this is why I'm not a, a planner. This is why I defer to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For what? So there's just there's no such thing as a free parking space. Parking spaces cost tens of thousands of dollars to build. Maybe on the low end, ten or twenty thousand dollars, thirty thousand dollars per space, maybe for a surface lot. But once you get into multiple levels of parking, digging underground for parking, those costs can go fifty, sixty thousand dollars a space. Mm -hmm. And if you don't think that the apartments that you're renting or like whatever you're going to end up selling can bear that extra cost, that's kind of enough to say, you know, maybe I can't do this project. Maybe I should look at doing this in a different town that Mm -hmm. has more flexible zoning or people go into this really extensive variance process where they ask the city, please let us build, you know, 10% less parking than what your rules ask for. Um, There was a a real life situation where this just happened in Troutdale, where Home Forward, an affordable housing developer, they're submitting study after study to the city to say, this is how much parking actually gets used at other affordable housing developments in the region. All of them are below the city's parking minimum. And the city consistently said, no, sorry, we're not going to approve this variance. And the project was stuck for months until this rule change happened in January and went into effect. I mean, I think it's so fascinating, especially considering that we are in this huge housing crunch in Oregon. And like mm-hmm. one of the governor's biggest initiatives is to try and create more housing. And the idea is that one of the ways to fast track that is maybe to build less parking spaces. Huh? Absolutely. Just give people the flexibility. So we're not telling them you need to build this many parking spaces. When you're talking about space and maybe you have a small lot that you'd like to put something in, there's a very clear trade-off of, well, we can build an apartment for a person or we can build a parking spot for a car. But if you require one to do the other, it's the housing for humans that's going to get squeezed out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and as Portland continues to grow more dense, as more people move to the city, I mean, I think it is inevitable that there's going to be less 
parking spaces available. And I'm, I'm wondering, you know, speaking of straw man arguments, I feel like the ultimate straw man argument about parking is grandma. Like, what are we going to do about grandma who's parked in front of her house for 50 years? Like, what's grandma going to do when she can't park there? Great. Um, Give grandma a free parking permit for life. I think for all I care, you know, like nobody has to stop driving. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, what can the city do to make this change easier for long-term residents? I mean, only the city can manage on-street parking successfully. Mm, They mm -hmm. have the data, the resources. There's nothing that private developers can do or not do that's going to help make curb parking easier. Also, like, if it's hard to park in your neighborhood, you live in a pretty cool neighborhood. There's things to do. (laughs) People want to go there. That's, like, much better than your city having huge population declines. There's a lot of different ideas of, like, what makes a fair policy and fair for Mm -hmm. who. But there, you know, there are strategies and you just have to go with one and just start putting it in action. Because when streets are hard to park on decade over decade, people, I think, right, you kind of lose faith that the city can manage parking. Mm -hmm. And North American cities, frankly, don't have as much experience as they should because they've kind of been avoiding this, right? Because we've built our communities around this idea of free parking when there's tons of free parking lots and and excess parking lots, kind of the value of paying for space kind of goes to zero. So it's it's really hard kind of mentally to make that jump to saying, yeah, it's worth a dollar for there to be a reliable parking spot. And also yeah. if the city's charging me a dollar to park, there like there better be an available parking spot for me to be in. Like that's that's the what we're trying to buy <laughs> when we're trying to yeah. pay for parking on the street. Yeah. Well I'm interested to see how the city grows and uh, the opportunities this could create. Thank you so much for walking me through it, Katie. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. And now for your microdose of news. The city has officially announced plans to open its first large tent encampment on the central east side this summer. Mayor Ted Wheeler says it's going to have space for about 100 to 150 people. That's a lot smaller than what the original plan had been for around 500 people in a camp. Wheeler also said nobody is going to be forced to move there. And the U.S. coffee championships come into town in April. And five Portland-area coffee professionals are going to be in competition. Now, Portland's own Morgan Eckroth of Keeper Coffee won the barista competition last year. So here's hoping that we can go two for two on home turf. For more local news and events, sign up for our daily newsletter, Hey Portland. We'll throw a link in the show notes. Well, that's all we've got today here on CityCast Portland. If you've enjoyed the show, tell a friend, rate us, or leave us a review. I know a lot of you have ideas about parking. We'd love to hear from you. I'm John Natariani, in for Claudia Meza. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Until then, see you at Slim's. <laughs>